welcome to another episode of the Extra Rounds Podcast. As always, my name is Mike Dice. I'm Elias. We are here with uh, an interesting show. We have two guests today. We have Cole Miller, UFC fighter, was on the fifth season of Ultimate Fighter, which a lot of people think is one of the most popular ones. That was uh, also the season with uh, Nate Diaz and Joe Luzon. I'm forgetting who else was on that season. Gray Maynard, just a ton of really great fighters. So, really popular season, so we're excited to talk to him about what's going on in his life. He just opened up a new gym. Uh, last we heard from him, he was having some issues with the UFC, so we'll see what's going on there. And then, 2.30, we have Kenny Florian calling in uh, to talk about all, kind of all things UFC and what he's up to at UFC tonight. Um, so, excited to get into those things, but before we do, we got some time to kill, so as always, we're going to kind of just discuss the latest ongoings in the UFC world. Uh, but before we get there, I just wanted to say congratulations to <laughs> Elias, who won his grappling tournament on Flow Grappling. I don't know if you watched it. Um, Thanks, week, brother. But he, he won. It was an impressive. It was a decision, so it wasn't necessarily uh, maybe the finish you would have hoped for, but sure. it was an Im- about as impressive as a decision as it could go. There was a lot of split decisions that night, and I, don't, I think yours was a unanimous decision, as it, it should have been. Uh, you controlled this opponent perfectly so thanks man it was, it was a lot of fun I, thanks for coming out to it. it had a good time it was awesome having you there at it i know the uh the event fight to win pro was super excited that you were coming down uh at the weigh-ins the day before i was feeling pretty miserable because i cut 15 pounds in uh, it four days five days but uh they were as i was weighing it it was kind of embarrassing they were like Hey, uh, you know, uh, fan sighted in Sports Illustrated is, is going to be at the event because of Elias, and so they were super stoked that you were coming down, and it was I was super stoked you were you came to to check it out, and yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Well, I'm glad uh, somebody's just recognizing my gravitas. Fame. <laughs> yeah, no, they they definitely did. They were very very excited about it. Uh, I didn't hear them mention uh, how CM Punk was going to be there, but they mentioned how you were going to be there, so that was yes, awesome. CM Punk was there, he was there, teammate. So for those of you MMA fans wondering what happened to him, he's still around, he's still training, he's still supporting his Rufus Sport teammates. Yeah, he had a couple of them there, including uh, Mike Biggie Rhodes, another UFC veteran who we got to talk to a bit. He was there. He won his match too. He had a Gi brown belt match, so that was cool. And yeah, CM Punk was up in the rafters. You spotted him from way afar because you're a a crack shot, but (laughs) I was right next to him. I didn't know he was there. I also had a lens, a really <laughs> long lens on a camera. But um, regardless, let's kind of get into the UFC topics because there's been a lot of drama this week yeah, as far as the MMA world is concerned. Anderson Silva went on the MMA Hour to talk about his upcoming fight at UFC 212, which currently is against nobody. Mm-hmm. Uh, he even did a face-off against himself at a press conference. Well, <laughs> not really against himself, but by himself, by himself at a press event. But Silva basically unleashed... Uh, during his appearance on the MMA Hour using expletives, which is kind of uncharacteristic for him to mm-hmm. use. Um, and he had several gripes, the main issue being the Michael Bisping title fight against Georgia St. Pierre. First, Silva feels that he is owed the title shot and uh, points to that UFC Fight Pass event, which was in London, I think, yep. when uh, he lost to Michael Bisping in a somewhat controversial uh, decision. And, uh, you know, if you don't remember, he knocked him out at the end of the second round and because of the mouthpiece was out, but the, he thought the fight was over, but it continued. Um, so he feels he's owed a shot at Michael Bisping in the title. The second gripe was that he feels or he claims the UFC promised him a fight with Georgia St. Pierre if and when Rush returned from uh, re- his retirement to the UFC. But, of course, that fight went to Michael Bisping. We still don't have a date for that Bisping-Georgia St. Pierre fight with GSP teasing a fight at Madison Square Garden 
uh, in the future on Twitter last night when he was at the Rangers game. And the UFC currently has no scheduled events in New York City. So that's interesting. And then Silva punctuated his gripes by threatening to retire if he does not get an interim title shot against Yoel Romero at UFC 212 in Rio de Janeiro. So there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, man. Uh, Let's go bit by bit. Sure. Does Silva deserve a title shot against Michael Bisping? I mean, Silva will deserve whatever he wants for as long as he lives as it relates to MMA. So in a a larger sense, sure. Sure. Uh, in, in In a different, more immediate sense, not really taking into account his accomplishments, well, no, he shouldn't be the, the next guy to fight. Neither should George St. Pierre. Neither should have uh, Dan Henderson have been. So, uh, in a larger sense, uh, yeah, he. I won't say that Anderson Silva doesn't deserve a fight, whatever fight it is, if he thinks he does. Especially as he mentioned to Ariel in that in, in that great interview, um, the, you know how many times he saved the UFC, stepped in, fought different opponents, fought bigger opponents, and short notice saved whole cards, like when he fought Stefan Bonner. Uh, and beat him when he, you know, the way he uh, he, he he fought. Not only did he fight Michael Bisping, it was a phenomenal fight. But he fought enough. He he had like a fight pass card. That's that's a huge coup for fight pass. And being at Fox uh, Sport uh, at Fox at the time, I know that event was a big deal for the UFC. It was a big big fight that um, Fox and the UFC actually fought a great deal about behind the scenes. So he he always does what he can for the UFC. And I, I you know, and now he's saying. They've gone back on promises. I, 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 bet, I bet they have. This is not a new thing. This is what happens when you don't have things written down, when you don't have unions and associations making sure certain things are followed. So, you know, Michael Bisming should be probably fighting other people in a strict right here and now sense. But uh, in a larger sense, Anderson Silva has earned whatever he wants in an MMA. If you look on paper, Silva is, you know, doesn't have a sterling record since the Chris Weidman fights. He's no. um, basically been... Uh, kind of lackluster. He had the one win against Nick Diaz, which got overturned, and then he has this controversial win over Derek Brunson. Right. You could argue that he had a controversial loss to Bisping, but um, on paper, if you just looked at the record, it's not necessarily um, conclusive that he's you know an unquestioned contender. But it's also Anderson Silva. Yeah, I mean that's basically it, man. He no, he shouldn't. He's he, he, Derek Brunson beat him. He took banned PEDs against Nick Diaz. Uh, he did, He did. I believe, deserve to get the win over Michael Bisping when they fought in that February, was it 2016? Yeah. Uh, but, um, but yeah, no, no, I mean, I think you're right. I think it's basically, it's like, no, he shouldn't fight, but he's Anderson Silva, so I guess so. George St. Pierre could say, I'm George St. Pierre, <laughs> you know, so I guess that works. It, it's, it's tough at that point. Right, with the two of them in particular, it yeah. creates an interesting situation. Uh, the next thing would be, should the UFC have booked GSP versus Silva instead of GSP Bisping? A lot of people <laughs> wondered if St. Pierre needed a tune-up fight. This could have been that tune-up fight, potentially. Uh, it's also like this super fight that's evaded MMA yeah. for so long. Uh, it's kind of MMA's version of Pacquiao uh, Mayweather. So, do you think that that fight should have been booked first? I don't. I don't imagine. I'm sure the UFC would have been fine with it. Uh, I don't think George St. Pierre wanted that fight. I think he wanted. If he's going to go up to fight a middleweight, might as well fight a much smaller middleweight than Anderson Silva. Um, not as good of a middleweight as Anderson Silva, age aside, and uh, and do it for gold. So, I, if I had to guess, um, I think. I guess I'm evading the question, but I don't think it was. I think this is the fight that George St. Pierre wants. Um, should they have done it? I, I don't know. I mean, I would like to see that fight, I guess. Um, but it's a weird fight because George has been out for so long. 
He's so much smaller than Anderson, but Anderson's also probably shouldn't be fighting anymore because he's just he, his reflexes are slowing. So I don't I don't really I don't have a, a, a huge desire to see that fight now. So I guess I'm fine with George fighting Bisping instead. Right. Uh, the other interesting wrinkle is St. Pierre. You know he's coming off a tit- like a title win. Yeah. If you look at his record, sure, but sure. This whole situation's just, you know, you everybody complained about Conor McGregor and Michael yeah. uh, holding up two divisions. This situation is just kind of unreal on how it's holding up the middleweight division, um, you know. But you look at uh, Yul Romero calling for a shot, and then Bisping threatening to give it to Yul Romero instead of Bisping <laughs> if Bisping can't come around and find a date. Like, when yeah, do yeah. you think this fight happens, if it does happen? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I think uh, <laughs> we, like Michael Bisping, could only hope to glean some type of insight from whatever tidbits George St. Pierre gives us <laughs> because it's happening whenever George wants. It's got to be so frustrating to be Bisping because you know that payday is coming, but it's like just let's get on with it, especially yeah. somebody who lives in Southern California now with that Anaheim card approaching at the end of July. Sure. Like, you know he wants to be on that card, but then this Edmonton card gets announced. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what other – who else are you going to have headline a pay-per-view in Canada besides St. George? Pierre? Yeah, I mean, any number of people that they've been choosing and haven't done gigantic numbers with, I guess. But, uh, you know, the you know, I, I feel really badly because I don't remember what interview we said it in. Uh, but I, I read some quotes from an interview that uh, Michael Bisbing recently did, and he said, you know what? It's all right. My knee's really effed up right now. It's not working well. Right. I'll take the extra months. So I guess that's probably the, the – if that's true, that's um, – Silver lining to that gray cloud, I guess. Um, then you, you know, silver and gray are kind of similar, so I don't know if that analogy really makes much sense. But, right. <laughs> but I'm sure he's frustrated, but if, he, if his body needs to rest, I guess he's okay with it. He also, uh, Bisping said that Conor McGregor gets a pass when he does these things. Uh, I believe the words he is Jesus reincarnated. Yeah, all sorts and of then, weird uh, things. He be, he's the villain for wanting these big money fights, and everybody wants him now. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. now – this was always the issue when people when the UFC was giving in to McGregor's demands that right. everybody else is going to make these demands and it's become a widespread problem. And I think we're at that point. You know, Woodley, when he first won, wanted to fight GSP or Nick Diaz, who hasn't fought since 2015, yeah, yeah. the beginning of 2015, right. almost 2014. Um, so everybody wants their shot at that money fight now. Right, and right. it's like, this is this bed you created. Yeah, and I'm, I don't, I, I, I think, I, I don't uh, vilify any fighter for trying to, to get the most money they could any more than I would any other worker in any other industry. I think as long as we're not going to have any outsiding sanctioning bodies who decide rankings and title shots like the UFC should have, I'm okay. and as long as it's a unilateral thing, uh, I, previously with the UFC just deciding, I'm, 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 I'd much rather have Michael Bisping, George St. Pierre, Conor McGregor call their own shots than, than I would uh, the UFC. I don't think that's – the the best long game end game solution um but i don't think dana white unilaterally being able to decide is is the best thing either so i i don't i'm i can be frustrated fans can be frustrated with divisions being held up at the same time as they don't begrudge fighters like michael bisbee and conor mcgregor for getting theirs in my view at least that's the way i take it i I am frustrated with it i'd love to see people get uh, their shots at the championship and at the champion at the same token i don't begrudge a champion for who's fought their entire lives for for trying to look out for themselves at this point the other uh side of this coin is that fans don't 
fans say somebody like Demetrius Johnson is boring or yeah. the UFC 209 event between Woodley and Steven Thompson is boring. And then they want these fights. And then they also gripe when these fights hold things up. Yeah, those anyone who said any of those things are really stupid because I mean, yes, tired of those people watching the podcast. Yeah, I hope not. And if so, please keep watching because you might, you might become a more educated person. But if you thought Woodley Thompson 2 was a bad matchup or a bad uh, a bad end up being a bad fight or shouldn't have been made to begin with. You didn't watch the first one. The second one was was still a you know it was a it was it was basically a toned down version of their first one. And yeah, it's weird. You're right. There's a fickle nature. Uh, I don't know that we can like just make fights based on whatever whim uh, individuals with anonymous screen names make. I like the I like our our listeners on Facebook. They by and large because it's Facebook using their real names with their photos and they're saying what they believe, whether or not they agree with us, but they're, they're accountable to it. Kind of, kind of like we try to be, but um, yeah, no, you're right. It's, it's, it's weird, right? It's it demands seem contrary to one another sometimes. Right. Uh, it's two fifteen. Yeah. Let's see if we can get Cole on the line um, for while we, we try to do that. The, uh, the exact quote that, or one of the many quotes, I think it was like a 40 minute long interview that Anderson Silva had with, uh, Ariel Hawani was when I signed my last contract, Dana White and Lorenzo said, okay, when George St. Pierre is back, <laughs> you go and fight super fight. You and George St. Pierre. I don't know what happened. Nothing happened. George St. Pierre is back to fight and back to fight for the belt. It's terrible. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know, but like, here's what happened. You didn't get it in writing. These guys aren't your mother and your father. Well, they also <laughs> then sold. So Lorenzo's out of the picture. Anymore, <laughs> right, so his right. word doesn't mean no, much anymore. Maybe if but, you had it in writing, it would have. Right. The, you know, it's just a whole interesting situation that has developed between the, uh, you know, yeah. the situation. It and, is. And for, you know, you know, I'm sure he chased that fight for a long time before mm-hmm. UFC 167 when St. Pierre kind of yeah. walked away. But, you know, I think he would have been fine with it. It's clear George St. Pierre was always reluctant. I'm giving Cole a call now. Let's see. Let's forget him. But it is weird. It's interesting to see because he's never talked like that publicly. Hey, dude. Hey, Cole. It's it's Elias here with uh, my co-host, Mike Dice. Thanks for making time, brother. Yeah, awesome. Hey, thanks for uh, calling. So we we got plenty we're interested in talking with you about Cole, but first and foremost we we want to we want to hear about your um your new academy. Uh, I know that I, if if I'm reading my social media correctly that this week you had your your first your first classes. Now I've known you for years. I've seen you teach effectively many many people, but now is this is this like the first time where you're taking on a that role formally and uh, as a, as a as a gym owner? As an owner, yes. Um, I, like you said, I've been instructing for a long time. Um, I've instructed four to six year olds, seven to thirteen year olds, and then you know I've taught you know adult classes and programs, and I've I've done seminars you know in several countries and things like that. Um, I like teaching. I I really do enjoy it, and uh, this is a lot of fun. So it's called. Correct me if I'm wrong. Att Warner Robbins. Uh, what prompted you to, to at this point, start your own uh, academy? Well, I'm, I'm injured mm-hmm. right now, so I have time to not train. And I can't just sit by idly and, and do nothing. So I was like, oh, this is, you know, it's something I've been wanting to do for like the past two years. I just haven't had the time to do it, you know, going away and going on training camps and doing things like that. So um, 
with my with my injury, I'm probably not going to be looking to fight till fourth quarter or even first quarter of next year. So I, with all that time, I figured it would be a good, a good time to do what I've been wanting to do for a couple of years now. And is it close to home for you, yeah, the location of your school? Yes, yeah, maybe four miles. Nice. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And And so – Tell us, it, you know, it sounds like you're taking obviously like a super active role. When people sign up uh, at ATT Warner Robins, are they are they getting Cole Miller as one of their uh, actual personal instructors there when they come to class? Yeah, I'm I'm the only instructor right now. Um, <laughs> so I'm teaching all the classes. That's why it was just a soft opening. I'm I'm not doing like a big grand opening, and you know, probably for another uh, two months or mm. so. And you know, that'll give me some time to track down some instructors. And then once I get some instructors and some help. I'll be adding more programs like uh, kids' classes, add some fitness classes in there, and uh, also add some uh, morning classes. That's okay, a- right now, yeah, I- I'm teaching all the classes. That's really exciting. Now, what's I'm just curious, like what's your what's your approach to teaching or your 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 philosophy or anything you think kind of makes you who you are as a, as a teacher? I think we we see who you are. We've seen for years and years and years, fight fans, uh, who you are as a uh, as a fighter, uh, your your skill, your heart, all of that stuff. Like, what's what? Would, how would you characterize your approach to, to teaching folks? Um, I think that I would say it's just a technical approach. I, I don't really settle for um, people doing things halfway right. Now, of course, when you're in the beginning stage, I'm not going to nitpick you completely and sure. you know dismantle you bits and pieces, and then you've got no confidence <laughs> and you don't want to come back. So. I'll make I'll make sure to uh, you know provide a positive experience for you so that way you can learn effectively. But I think that um, you know if your elbow is out you know three degrees when throwing a punch, I'm going to tell you to make sure that you keep that elbow tight so that way you're you're just doing things the way that they should be done, whether it be a jiu-jitsu grip or whether it be uh, you know a right cross or a, you know a left hook. I'm going to tell you if it's right or wrong and what you need to do to fix it. Have you been able to do any of your own? Um, I don't actually. It was news to us that you were injured. Like, what's your? I was going to ask you what your own training was like, but how how limited are you lately with with whatever your injuries are? Um, I'm rolling. I just got on the mat this week. Nice for the first time. Um, and I'm rolling like fifty percent. Cool. cool. Well, that's good. At least so. Can, I mean, like like I said, I mean. We're, we're looking at a fourth quarter or first quarter. I'm still doing physical therapy. I have not get, been cleared by a physician to, to fight or that I'm good to go or anything like that. So I'm uh, I'm taking baby steps right now. So one of the last times that we, we kind of saw you prominently in the public eye was this whole falling out with the UFC. Has that situation been resolved? Have you finally gotten that sit down that you were looking for? Yeah, I did. Um me, me and Dana are square, um, but I'm not, one, I'm not rushing to try to get back into the Avion, and two, like I, I can't. So mm-hmm. that's why I'm not, you kind of, kind of see me kind of disappear from the, the spotlight right now because I'm not, I'm not doing anything. I can't do anything. <laughs> Is it frustrating to be in a situation like that? Or are you Are you itching to get back in there? No. Uh, <laughs> that's why I opened up the school. It's, it's giving me something to do, so I don't have, you know, to sit down and be frustrated. So I've got I've got something that's keeping me occupied. Do you? And I'm I'm enjoying I'm enjoying the time with my family. I mean, I just had to go 
four straight months. I saw my kid like six days in four months. You know, like, no, I'm not in a rush to get back to it. I'm not in a rush to jump back into a training camp or get back in the octagon. I don't care. Do you imagine? I, I read it. I read an interview. I think it was from March, Cole, where you talked about the EBI. Um, what's it that he's doing combat jiu-jitsu with the open hand strikes and all that? Do you imagine that <clears throat> before you were to fight next in MMA, whenever that is, you know, months and months or a year down the road? Do you imagine like that type of rules would be something that you'd be interested in easing your way into first, or 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 does that be have would that have to happen after you were done fighting in the UFC? No, I've I've been wanting to do jiu-jitsu super fights and and things like this this entire time. Um, just kind of never seems to really work out. Mm. But um, that if if the ABI does the 155, I've already talked to Eddie about this. If they do the 155, and when they do the 155 tournament, if at that time I'm cleared to be training and, and good to go and have been able to train and prepare for it, then I'll do it. That's cool. Let's say he doesn't. Let's say he does it a month from now. Then no, I, I won't be doing. It. But if you know if he does it maybe three months from now, then yeah, I'll be doing that. I, okay, I got to ask you a technical question about it. The the first EBI combat jiu-jitsu thing, I was looking. It was very interesting to watch. I was, I, but one of the things I was thinking, not that I know how to do this myself, I don't, but I, th- I saw mostly slaps, and slaps are a bit different than like a proper hard Boss Rutten style open palm strike. Do you think that that, that game there, the EBI uh, combat jiu-jitsu game, was going to change once some co- someone comes in with a real stiff open palm strike, Cole? Uh, I mean, it, it's definitely going to um, help the person that knows how to throw that strike. Hmm or has the capability to get the proper distance for that strike. I think that when you saw a lot of those slaps, it's because they weren't even allowing themselves to get to the, the distance necessary to throw hmm. a uh, proper palm strike. Um, I saw a lot, you know, from when the top player was standing above the bottom player that was in like a butt scoot, you know, slapping the legs and hmm. taking swings at the face, but they weren't actually getting their hips in. And I don't think that they did not know how. I think they were just kind of um, – maintaining their distance before, you know, jumping in there like that. Because when you're dealing with, like, a bunch of good grapplers, and you'll see it in MMA, if, if, if you see two guys that or one guy that, that knows he's going against a good grappler, you don't just see him throwing bombs right away, do you? No, mm-hmm. he's very careful. He's very meticulous, and he's going to pick his punch. And I think that that's why we saw Zach George win it. You know, he's, you know, a, um, a mixed martial arts veteran. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it would make sense that that would be who, who you know, took home the first uh, EBI Combat Jiu-Jitsu trophy. Have you been following? Uh, do, are you a guy that follows a lot of these, uh, the submission grappling and the, and, and uh, matches, or, or do you more more focus your viewing on uh, uh, MMA stuff? Um, I prefer to watch uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but yeah, I do follow some of the submission grappling scene. I, I definitely enjoy the uh, watching the EBIs as a fan, um, but I like to watch Copa Podio. Um, you know, the Pan Ams, the world, things like that. Obviously, uh, ADCC when it mm-hmm. comes around. We just had, so uh, 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 I know he's a homie of yours, Cole. Uh, Phil Brooks, CM Punk, they they had a fight to win pro card here in Chicago. Gi and no gi matches, uh, just no points. And he actually attended because he had some Rufus Sport teammates uh, there. And it, we, he was actually up in the uh, in the locker room area watching it and stuff. Have, have um have you ever gotten a chance to, to, to work with him? I should say, has he ever gotten a chance to work with you and have you show him some stuff on the mats? 
No, we, we, we talked about some things here and there. Um, I think that if he wants to, to get in it and stay in it, I think he's going to do well. Hmm. I mean, when you see anyone who is successful in any aspect or in what they were formerly doing, I don't see why they won't be successful in their next venture. Does that make sense? Yeah. People who work hard, work hard. People who know how to dedicate and put themselves into everything will do that mm-hmm. and no matter what they do. I was wondering uh, your thoughts on The Ultimate Fighter. You were on probably the most popular season in the show's history, and it seems like a lot of people have mixed thoughts on it. Some people think it's time for it to kind of go away, it's run its course, but other people think that some of the new things they're doing, um, coming up with a theme for the season, like this one, Redemption, and a rivalry like the one between Cody Garbrandt and TJ Dillashaw is really enthralling. Uh, do you still watch, and what are your thoughts on the show? Um, I've never really um, watched the show too much. I, I watched the earlier seasons. Um, I watched when Forrest Griffin won because he was a friend of mine. Mm. And anytime I got buddies um, of mine that are on, I try to tune in um, at least and, and kind of see until they uh, fight or until they get knocked out of the show or, or what have you. But, um, no, I haven't really. I haven't seen this season yet. This season, I kind of want to get caught up on though because of the uh, redemption. It's actually got like some good people that uh, that I would want to see fight and kind of see them interact and stuff like that. But I don't see why there'd be any reason for the show to go away. There's always going to be new talent, right? Mm. So if you're kind of bored of the house thing, or if people in general are bored with the house thing or the or the theme or or whatever, then maybe it just needs to be done in a different way. Mm. But I mean, it's it's a great concept. You're going out there and you're getting talent for the most part. That's unknown except for seasons like this and the comeback season, um, season four. Um, you know, there's talent out there and there's people that are going to be awesome. I mean, Nate Diaz, you know, came in off the ultimate fighter. Uh, Joe Lozon was on our season. Matt Wyman was on our season. Uh, Gray Maynard fought for the title twice on our season. Manny Gamburian fought for the title against Aldo. He was on our season. I mean, there's, good fire that was just on my season you know i mean in, the, in other uh seasons you got plenty of people that have fought for the title and uh tj dillashaw i think was the first um non-ultimate fighter winner that won a title i mean so the ultimate fighter is great i don't see what the, the complaints are um i don't watch it so i guess i don't know what to complain about <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I I've never been. We were talking about this last week too. I I for that same kind of reason, scouting basically. I never had a a problem with it. And like you said, if if you're tired of the house stuff, at least you can you can just watch. Uh, you know, great fighters compete, whether they're known commodities or they're up and comers. I, I last question for you. I think we, before we got to let you go, I was I was thinking, unless Mike wants to to jump in on that note. Um, you in the house that experience. And now we're going way 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 back now. But I don't think I've ever asked you this, Cole. I've talked to multiple people, at least a few guys, who have told me that at some point they started having like reoccurring nightmares while while living in there. And even guys that had no real complaints about the experience were just like, yeah, something weird would happen. Did you ever have any – how hard is it for you to deal with just the isolation of that whole situation? Did you ever have any weird just feelings at a certain point being isolated, whether it's nightmares or anything else? Or was it kind of – was it was it kind of not that big of a deal for you? No, I I mean we had a I thought that we had a pretty decent time on the show. I mean I, I also think that at pretty much every night before we went to bed, nobody wanted to be on the show, but we kind of 
bonded over that while we were sitting out by the campfires and stuff like that. And we would hear the, um, the planes going over from, uh, what, what is it? Las Vegas, uh, is it McCarran airport yeah, or whatever yeah. the name of the airport is there? We would hear the planes going above and you could see them too. And we would all just be thinking, man, I wish I was on that plane going home, you know, <laughs> but I no, I never had any recurring dreams or nightmares. And this is the first I've heard of that. That's, mm. that's odd to me. I definitely had some issues going back into society. Mm. Um, if you don't have to ever drive a car, you know, like for seven, eight, <laughs> you don't drive a car. They, they, they drove, they drove for you, you know, to yeah, and from practice. Yeah. Um, I had, I had issues with dealing with traffic where I was starting to get like <laughs> hot and like high heart rate, wow. like anxiety almost wow. over, uh, car traffic. And like, same thing with waiting in the, uh, line for the, uh, grocery store. Um, that same thing. That's so interesting. That's really interesting. And we gotta, we gotta have you on again to talk more about all, all sorts of stuff, man. But, um, that's really fascinating stuff, Cole. Cole, uh, again, just for everyone, uh, I know it's only a soft opening, but tell folks about uh, your new academy, where it is, where they can find info on it before we let you go, sir. Yeah, um, come see me. I'm on uh, 405 Highway 96, Bonaire, Georgia. Um, it's uh, Miller Martial Arts and Fitness. We're the home of American Top Team Warner Robins. Come see us. One of the the, the longest-running American Top Team members, one of the most skilled uh, jiu-jitsu and otherwise practitioners in all of MMA, Cole Miller, now teaching full-time. Catch him while he's hot and uh, while, while he's not training full-time for a fight. Cole, thanks so much for taking time to come on Extra Rounds, brother. Yeah, thanks, Elias. I'll talk to you soon. Take care, sir. Talk to you. All right. That was fun. We got to have him on just to talk about tough, man. That was interesting stuff. There's something, there's some truth to the car thing. Yeah. Because when I moved from Dallas to Chicago, I got rid of my car. Uh, so I was relying on public transportation. I didn't necessarily have the anxiety driving because I didn't, um, I didn't really get into it. I sold my car to rely uh-huh, on public transportation. Uh-huh. So I kind of had a reverse thing. Like it was incredibly <laughs> freeing. To not have to deal with traffic. Like there's so much little stress you incur on a day-to-day basis that you don't realize it, especially in Chicago Mm. because the drivers here are horrible. Mm. But that's like I could rant for 45 minutes (laughs) about that. But, I mean, you being punctual is a thing for me. And if I'm late, like that stresses me out. So there's something about like when you're taking public transportation, you have to plan ahead. That's true. And the fact that it's not in your control is like freeing. Uh, it's like I'm, I'm on the train. The train's supposed to be get there, get me there on time, uh, on schedule. Yeah. So like I can't control too. or can't do anything about it. So from that, it was, you know, it was freeing. I've since started driving again, and yeah, it's <laughs> like there's everything he said is spot on, spot on. That's very interesting. Even grocery shopping, because yeah, the producers will will fill out these guys and girls' uh, grocery list, like bring you the food. So going heard, back into waiting in line is probably weird. I heard they had like a a list and they could basically yeah. write anything yep. down yep. and they would get it for them. And that's how these people in these houses on these reality shows end up with these like weird things. And you're like, <laughs> who packed a pizza slice pool right. float? It's that's like, right. well, they just wrote it down on a piece of paper and they went out to Walmart and got it. And side note that any, I've been told too, that they, yeah, like they'll get you whatever you want. If it's sushi, they'll get it to you within an X period of time. If you like tell the producers you want like, a bunch of bottles of vodka and whiskey. Oh, they get that to you real quick. Yeah. Because they want your ass to be crazy and drunk for good television. 
the television <laughs> meltdown on the TV. Oh yeah, people. Uh, uh, that combined with think about that, you're you're with a bunch of people that you maybe or will be fighting or have just fought uh, in a in a house. No, no, not just no phones and television and radio. No reading material. Matt Hughes was allowed to bring a Bible in for guys. That's the, I think the only time that I know of where they had reading material. That gets that gets weird. Yeah, the, I mean, I uh, I watched the Best of Show. Yeah, uh, yeah. And they kind of so that was some of one of the things they talked about reliving the moments was that there's just you know that not necessarily it all it the perception is that they're always drunk when mm-hmm, a lot of this stuff's mm-hmm, going down. Mm-hmm. He's like, but in reality, it's like you're just bored and you, this <laughs> mental thing like happens and I bet. all of a sudden you're um, trying to. You know, entertain yourself because you you have no TV, no book, no phones, no way to talk to anybody. It's like <sighs> no music. Com- yeah, I'd go crazy with no music. Anyway, I need music. We we, we should try Kenny. We're going from okay, one awesome season, like you said, a tough five. Cole Miller was a cast member on there. Now going to probably the only season other than these comeback seasons that has any argument for being better than tough five, which is tough one. Kenny Florian, a finalist on that show. Uh, we're gonna try to get him on the line now to talk UFC two eleven. That's a really stacked card. The, the the main card alone, let's see if we can get through with Kenny because that main card's awesome, even though the undercard is as well. Let's see if we reach this gentleman. And Kenny Florian, fun fact, first actual winner of uh, Ultimate Fighter. A lot of people give Forrest Griffin that title, but he won. Well, it was Diego Sanchez who beat him, actually. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. He was in so, the final. Luckily, we said that before yeah. he got on here. <laughs> he was in the finale for sure. <laughs> Glad we got that out of the way now. Hey, what's up, dude? Hey, Kenny. How you doing, man? I'm here with my co-host, Mike uh, Dice. Thanks for coming on the show, brother. Cool. Can you, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you pretty well. Can you hear, okay. can you, can you hear us okay, sir? Yeah, yeah, I can now. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. So, tons going on. Um, even in your own, your own, uh, your own training, uh, and, and competition life. But this, this upcoming card is so stacked. We thought, okay, we got to have just about the best analysts in the game. At least we got to try to get through the main card of this one coming up. Cause it's, there's some really, uh, fascinating matchups. So if it's cool with you, we're just going to want to jump in and, and kind of get your take on some of these, uh, fights. Let's do it, man. Awesome. So, uh, me and Michael just go back and forth, just picking your brain here. Um, so, the, the the main event between uh, Miocic and Dos Santos is an interesting one to me. It's a rematch, but it, it it's so many ways. It seems to me like both guys are at different places in their career right now when they're meeting for the second time. How do you if if that do you think that's true in any way? And if if so, how do you think it might affect the the outcome? Yeah, you know, I, I don't think Stipe Miocic um, really believed in himself as much as he does now when he fought Junior DeSantos for the first time. I, I don't think that, um, I, I think that he thought it was a, certainly a step up in competition for him. Um, and I still had him winning the fight. I actually thought he won that first fight. Same here. Um, it was certainly close. It's hard to argue, you know, either way when there's a fight that's that close. But I thought he did enough to win. Um I thought he was going to get the nod. He did not. Um, but still, I, I think it was one of those things that really propelled him mentally as, as a martial artist and showed him what he's capable of. And I think since then, um, he's improved a great deal. Um, and, and as you mentioned, yeah, they, they really have kind of two different trajectories here. Junior DeSantos has been um, somewhat inconsistent in his last couple of fights. I think he's now getting used to his training over at American Top Team. I, I think he's improved or going to 
uh, improved be, being over at American Top Team before. He was just kind of training in Salvador, didn't really have the best training partners, certainly didn't have the, the well-rounded coaching staff that he has now at ATT. And for Stipe, I think Stipe was still coming up. And now him uh, being a champion, uh, being a guy who has defended the belt now, uh, dealing with the pressure in his hometown, I think this is a much more mature and much more dangerous mutage. There's also been so much turnover in the heavyweight division, and nobody's ever seemed to have a long run as champion. Is Stipe Miocic the guy to kind of break that trend? Uh, you, you broke up there. Sorry, I couldn't hear you. You know, there's been so much turnover at the uh, with the heavyweight champions and nobody being able to string together a long run of title defenses. Is Stipe Miocic the guy who can kind of change that? I think he certainly has the, the potential to. You know, the, the heavyweight division is such that, you know, one mistake, and, and that's going to be the difference between you, you know, uh, being on your feet or being knocked out. So I think the margin of error in, in the heavyweight division um, is, is small. Um, but I think that right now it, it's not so strong uh, right now. And obviously there's been a lot of inconsistency with uh, fighter injuries and things like that. So... Um, I do think he, he has that potential. I think he's good enough to, to find some consistency in the vision that really hasn't seen it. We're here with uh, Kenny Florian. Among, among many, many of his jobs, he's a co-host of the Anakin Florian podcast. If you guys aren't listening to that, you really, you're missing out. You've got to get on that. It's, it's one of the most relaxed, informative uh, shows out there. We're talking UFC 211, the main card. Kenny, moving down the card, do you think Jessica Andrade has – uh, a, a particularly good chance to threaten uh, Joanna Zajacek. I'm not trying to take anything away from from uh, from the challenger here. She's she's got some real strengths, but like once again, uh, she seems to be. You know, we got a challenger against Joanna Champion who seems to be overlooked. Do you think uh, most of us are missing something when when we overlook her? You know, I, I think she showed a lot in her last fight against Angela Hill. I, I think it it showed that she can go three hard rounds in a division. Um, where she was kind of, she's in between divisions, or I thought she was, um, and I'm not sure she really proved her, her conditioning over 15 hard minutes uh, like she had prior to her fight against mm. Hill. Uh, I think she showed that. And, and while Angela Hill is probably not at the striking level of Joanna young Jacek, she does have a, a similar style in, in some ways. So I think that it was a, it was a decent test for her. And I think her with the kind of power that she possesses and the takedown game that she possesses, I think that she's always going to be a threat to someone like you on a young J-check. I think it comes down to experience-wise, can she do it in a championship fight? Can she put enough pressure on someone like you on um, I think she has the right style in that she does move forward. Um, she does like to press uh, forward. And for Ioana, Ioana's not so used to uh, fighting going backwards. Got to ask, okay, so Damian Maya, Jorge Mazavzal, I'm torn, Kenny. I, I was bugging Mike and chewing his ear off about this. It's a great fight. I wish it wasn't happening because I don't know how many fights Damian Maya needs to, to win to, to get a title shot. How do you see this fight going? And, and, and can you believe that even now Damian Maya is not being guaranteed a, a, a title shot next for sure if he were to win this? It's unfortunate, you know, and this has kind of been my – um, I, I guess uh, unsettling feeling about the UFC these days with, with how people get title shots because, you know, 
I understand that this is a business. I understand that there's entertainment involved in, in what we do. Um, however, we are getting a little bit too far away from the sportive aspect. You know, that there should be um, a pretty clear trajectory of how you get your title shot. Um, and obviously, when you have other competitors and things like that, it can get tricky. Um, but Damian Maya has, has certainly done enough to prove that he deserves a title shot at 170 pounds. Um, but uh, in regards to the fight itself, I think Damian Maya coming down from uh, middleweight, he's going to be the bigger guy. And obviously we've seen Masvidal at 155. Um, he's not small at 170, but, but he's certainly not the biggest welterweight. Maya is. He's very big. I think that's where he can maybe exploit uh, that that uh, uh, that size differential in this fight, um, especially since he has a, a grappling-heavy uh, base game plan. Um, I think that uh, Masvidal does have excellent wrestling, however, uh, especially his defensive wrestling. He's very difficult to take down. So I'm curious to see how the size uh, of Maya maybe makes up for uh, maybe the, the wrestling disadvantage uh, for, for Maya, or he's at least maybe doesn't have the same kind of wrestling experience that, that Masvidal would, would have, I guess. So, um one one thing is for sure, if Maya gets Masvidal on his back or gets him to the ground, it's going to be very difficult for Masvidal to pull off the win. He's going to have to scramble back to his feet um, very quickly. He cannot let Maya settle into any position on the ground. Maya is just too good. He's too knowledgeable. Um, he, he has his style there just right down to a science. He knows exactly what he needs to do. He takes down, he takes the back, he controls, and then he submits. Um, and he can do that against anyone in the world. Uh, but for Masvidal, he does have a clear striking advantage. We have seen Maya uh, get exposed on the feet before. Um, he also can have a tendency of getting tired late in a match. Uh, this being three rounds, I, I give that advantage to Maya. Um, so overall, I, I think right now i, I got to have Maya as, as the favorite. But as far as fighters and their well-rounded uh, games and, and uh, being dangerous everywhere, being confident, Masvidal is as good as it gets, man. And if he gets by Maya, I mean, he might have a case to yeah. have a title shot. But certainly Maya, if he gets the win, should get that next shot. Now, the champion, Tyron Woodley, came out and was kind of critical of Damian Maya for taking this fight. What are your thoughts on that? Was this a stupid move like Woodley portrayed it? Um, you know, I'm not sure he really had a choice, to be honest. Um, I think for Maya, I think he was kind of given – in ultimatum in some ways and you know as a fighter you kind of have to take those opportunities as they come he he does he has a family to support um he he kind of had to take that and i think that he's hoping that in taking this fight and and winning that he can prove to the ufc hey listen i'm a guy you can rely on i'm a guy who really doesn't get injured i'm a guy when he when i show up i'm there to, to fight and i'm there to finish um and he really hasn't given much to the ufc uh, as far as complaints. Hmm. So um, I, I don't know why why necessarily Tyron is criticizing him, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Maya's doing what a fighter's supposed to do. He's probably trying to get in his head a little bit, too. <laughs> you know, just trying to mess with him by calling, yeah, him, calling sure. him stupid. But So Frank Yeager yeah. versus Yair Rodriguez, really, really cool fight. Do you, Kenny, do you think that Frankie is too big of a jump for Yair at, at, at this point of his career, or do you think this is a fight that can go either way? I, I think this is about right. I, I think this is decent matchmaking. matchmaking. I, I think that 
<clears throat> I think it's great matchmaking, actually. I think it's an exciting fight. I do think Frankie has the advantage um, just based on his experience and what he's accomplished mm. at this point in his career. Yair is definitely going to be the bigger guy. I, I think uh, speed-wise, there would be about even, maybe even Yair having the advantage at this point. Wow. I, I think that Frankie's footwork is excellent. I think his wrestling advantage is going to be huge in this fight. I'd like to see him try to utilize against Yair. I think Yair is good when he's scrambling, but I don't think Yair is uh, a great when when you're able to settle in a position when you're actually doing uh, you know jujitsu scrambles. You're seeing okay. Let's see how your guard is. Let's see how your passing is. I don't think you breaking up there for a little bit, Kenny. Can you hear us? Alone, obviously a phenomenal striker, Yair. Very dynamic, very dangerous. A lot of spinning attacks. Um, and I don't think anything can be said uh, about Yair if he beats someone like Frankie Edgar. Mm. I think this is the right fight for him to prove that he's one of the best featherweights in the world. Um, so and I think for Frankie, Frankie doesn't want to be that stepping stone for anybody, and I think this has motivated Frankie uh, in a lot of ways. Mm. Boy, how crazy, how crazy crowded at the top even more so would the, would the division get if, if Yair wins? Now you've got, like, 14 champions and, and 10 legitimate number one contenders at that point. That'd be crazy. It, it, it's it's ridiculous, man. The 155-pound division, I think, is the most competitive hmm. in the UFC, and I think it has been for a little while. But I tell you what, 145 it is certainly knocking on the door. <laughs> that division has just become ridiculous over the last couple of years. As a fighter, I, I would imagine Yair Rodriguez is going to have a very uh, favorable crowd in Dallas. As a fighter, yeah. how much of that plays into the actual um, emotions or mechanics of the fight? Does that stuff actually have a factor in it? I mean, I don't know if it does necessarily. I, I think with a guy as experienced as Frankie Edgar, I, I don't think it matters at all, um, you know, if he's going to be booed or cheered. I think for, for Yair, I think it could fire up a young fighter, you know, to hear that the crowd is behind you. Um, I, I think it could definitely uh, take a positive impact. I don't think there's anything Frankie hasn't experienced before. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, you know, I know for me, when I was booed in Vancouver, um, you know, or when I was booed in Minnesota, when I was fighting Roger Huerta, that fired me up, mm. you know, uh, to, to go out there and prove them wrong. So, um, yeah. That's cool. That's uh, interesting. Yeah, they, it was probably as hostile as you can get. Roger is a, a, a huge hometown hero there for that fight. I didn't thought about that one. <laughs> we don't. So before we let you go, we're gonna let you go in a second, Kenny. We'll we'll skip past the last uh, fight on this main card. But you yourself uh, flew almost clear across the world recently to to compete again. For those who don't know, uh, retired uh, former. Uh, multiple time at multiple divisions title challenger Kenny Florian uh, has been competing again uh, in in jiu-jitsu competition submission grappling and uh, unfortunately your last match didn't didn't go your way against an, an awesome opponent but overall what was the experience like what did you learn from it and uh, are, are you back in the mats uh, looking to, to train and, and compete again soon yeah you know I, I had an amazing experience you know despite all the bad luck I had leading up to the to the fight I, I had an amazing experience to go over to Abu Dhabi and compete in that first class event was what was awesome man um, just the way that they treated us um, the, the way that they had everything organized I was really really impressed with the level of professionalism over in Abu Dhabi and and uh, the Abu Dhabi Jiu Jitsu organization um, the World Pro was a phenomenal event um, 
And, and I had a blast hanging out with the guys and even hanging out with my opponent, Shaolin. He's just a, a, a nice, funny guy. Um, and uh, it was one I would I would do again. You know, I competed in the Long Beach Open um, several months ago, uh, and I, I just want to stay – I want to stay competing. It, it's something that I find is a part of my nature. It's something that I hope will be a part um, of what I can do for the next few years. And um, jujitsu is still very much a passion of mine. And, and um, you know, I, I know I'm very busy, but I, I, did, I do want to try to satisfy that urge to test myself and compete um, whenever I can. So I, I, I gotta, and, and we're so lucky that you are doing it, man, because uh, you're you're a great mind and a great competitor. I, I this is a random, seemingly random question, but uh, I had imagined that it had been before the Long Beach Open. Had it, it had probably been a long time since you had done jiu-jitsu competition. Um, you know, non non striking. Um, it probably had you done it at any time during your fight career, or had you like that entire fight career had no. you not done? Yeah, okay. So this it was always, yeah, it was always dead. Dedicated MMA. Yeah. So okay. So that that's what I was guessing. And here was my question. So my own little uh, uh, crappy novice level of experience. I uh, I did a uh, I did a grappling match this past weekend, and it was the first competition I'd had. It's the first grappling match, jiu-jitsu match that I had done since before I had started uh, fighting MMA as as an amateur. So I I hadn't told anyone, but I was kind of worried. I'm not that good. And I was kind of worried that if I got in a bad spot, like with a leg lock, that I might just like pop the guy. And I'm sure this guy would have been fine with it. He's a fighter as well. He would have come back at me. But apparently, and I wasn't there in the crowd and I couldn't hear her, but my wife at the start of the match shouted, don't punch him. Were you worried at all that... that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that, you, that you might that you might do something that that was illegal in a jiu-jitsu match. That's funny. No, I mean I, I was. That's pretty funny. No, you know, <laughs> just from training uh, without strikes for such a long time, now it's kind of out of my system. Hmm. But if you come early on, after I, you know, <laughs> if I was fresh off of retirement, I, I might I might have done it just out of instinct. It's funny. <laughs> Well, Kenny, tell everyone where they can find you. Uh, we've been on with Kenny Florian the past 15 minutes or so. So excited to have him. Kenny, where can folks, if they don't already know and they should, where can they find you? Um, they, they can check me out on Twitter, at Kenny Florian, uh, and on Instagram as well, at, at Kenny Florian. I'm, I'm op- also opening up a Brazilian jiu-jitsu gym uh, called Meraki Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in Santa Monica, California. I'm very excited That's about awesome. it. That's um, awesome. So... Uh, yeah, we're we're gonna have a, a first class facility, and and anyone who is in the area, I invite them all to come check it out. I, I'm hoping to be open uh, in June, so oh. uh, yeah, a lot of exciting things. Well, that does it. I I've got to get my flight to L.A. this summer, man. I'm definitely gonna. Hell I, yeah, man! Always welcome. Thank you, Kenny. Kenny is uh, has been nice enough to to teach me a number of times, and 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 uh, he's he's a phenomenal instructor. So that that is really cool. Really excited. Meraki Jiu Jitsu, and you said in Santa Monica. Yes, sir. That's awesome. Well, Kenny Florian, thanks so much for the time on X Rounds Podcast, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you, fellas. Take care. Take care. That's cool. I had no idea he was opening jiu-jitsu school. He's he's seriously an, an awesome instructor. And for fans that don't know, he this I think within the last year, Kenny turned down the head coaching job of Team Alpha Male. 
he is so well respected as not just an athlete but as a teacher that uh, Uriah Faber had offered him that job. It, and Kenny was really interested, but it was in Sacramento. He's he does his television work in L.A. Right. area. It was kind of tough for him, but he's a really really great instructor. He's got so much going on in the media side of things <laughs> that I mean the podcast, the UFC Tonight, yeah, the, everything that. Uh, I imagine that would be difficult, a difficult yeah. commute. Uh, but he would have done They seem far away on there. the map, at least. Yeah, they're, they're, you, can't, you can't really commute it, I don't think. Uh, it's, it's, I drove from, I drove kind of a, like a little less than a distance, and you can't do that every day. Well, I think it's like a 10-hour train ride between LA Is and it? San Francisco. Yeah, geez, yeah, you can't, can't commute that. <laughs> Never done it personally, but that's what, I, that's what I'm told. Um, anyways, we have one last topic we kind of wanted to touch on before we wrap up. Uh, that is kind of what we alluded to earlier. Tyron Woodley, UFC welterweight champion Tyron Woodley, stirred up the rumor mill online by announcing Hell he yeah. was beginning a training camp, which we talked about last week. He also said he was fighting in July, which we also talked about, which lends to 213 or 214. Uh, names that have been thrown out, Conor McGregor, mm. Nick Diaz, the winner of this Maya Masvidal fight at uh, 211. And he came out, and as we said earlier, he said uh, he called – Maya stupid. He said, I don't want to call him stupid, but <laughs> damn, that was stupid. Yeah, that's when you know someone called you stupid. Was it stupid? <laughs> we got Kenny's take. I, Let's I, hear. I, I, think, uh, I, think, I think I agree with both Kenny and Tyron, right? Yes, that, that's not smart to take another fight. Uh, and, and I think fighters should be putting themselves in a much different position uh, by having their managers be much tougher and by, by unionizing. Simple as that. Um, but Given the existing situation, Kenny's analysis, uh, brief as it was, was was very instructive, right? He was saying, listen, I, I bet Damian Maya didn't get a choice. He was probably given an ultimatum. I bet Kenny's right. Kenny would know way more about that than I would. He has no real dog in that horse. He's not trying to mess with Damian Maya's head the way no doubt Tyrone Woodley is. After that quote, he, he proceeded to talk about how he was going to knock out Damian Maya if they fought, all that type of stuff. So... I think uh, it, it, I think the position all fighters are in right now, where they're not considered full employees, uh, where they hand over their name and likeness rights, and they don't have any say in uh, seat at the table negotiating royalties, where they have no collective bargaining rights, I think that's stupid. I think they're stupid not to be unionized. Um, but I'm sympathetic to the situation they're currently in, trying to feed their families and give in ultimatums uh, and made to do all sorts of things by uh, a company that doesn't even give them the, the, the right of, of being an employee. So... I, yeah, I, I bet Kenny's right that he wasn't given it much of a choice unless he wanted to become a union activist this moment and this month, right, instead of taking the fight. So I, I, I could understand that. He's also been able to get wins and take a little damage, so he probably isn't too worried about it. He, you know, he's, I'm sure he's confident, right? And and he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, why wouldn't he I'll be confident? T- yeah, I'll take money and I'll and I'll win again, and you know, what, this is what this I do. Dude out, and he, he might to touch me three times, and <laughs> that'll be the end of it. Uh, but it's going to be an incredibly stacked card. I yes. can't believe it's almost it's only a week away. What's it's what crazy. I love about this is there's not a lot of buildup in between it. There was this dead period because this is a card. Um, I mean, we didn't even talk about the uh, Pettis uh, Cejudo fight, it's a heck of a uh, which is on the fight. main card. You have uh, two weight class World Series of Fighting champion David Branch making his, his debut, right? In the UFC, I, he fought on the UFC before, oh, so it's like not right, right he at did. debut. He but did. You're right. It's his debut for the second time. You're totally right. Yeah, uh, yeah. but you also. Have Poirier fighting. Uh, that's right. That's a good fight. You know, uh, oh, what the heck is he fight? I know if Dustin wins, he should be considered a title contender. For- right. So there's just there's just so many people fighting on this card. You know, the two title fights. Yeah. Um, is he fighting? Yeah, he's fighting Eddie Alvarez. Uh, you know, and that's the main yeah, event that's on. Right. Um, that's the right. Fox Sports portion of the that's card. That's a banger of a fight right there. That could be a main event of a card. Right. You have uh, 
Jason Knight, who's an interesting character mm. on this card. I mean, this is this is going to be an incredible event. Yeah, uh, it is. So, are you be, are you going? Yes. Awesome. Because I was going to say you've got to go to Dallas. Dallas. Is my hometown. So, That's cool. Uh, and it's also Mother's Day weekend, so kill two birds with one stone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure your mom appreciates the analogy. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> but this wraps up another episode of the Extra Rounds podcast. Thank you for everyone who tuned in to watch. We really appreciate it. Uh, next week we'll be back same time same place you can watch it live on the Sports Illustrated MMA Facebook page you can listen to it in iTunes Google Play TuneIn Stitcher all the podcast apps even Blog Talk Radio now Uh, so you know however you listen to it we appreciate it just make sure to subscribe and review Uh, we really really appreciate everybody who tunes in on a weekly basis and make sure to stay tuned to Extra Rounds on Twitter we'll let you know who's going to be the guest next week um, we're still trying to get Jessica Penney on the show. So yeah. uh, I know at least one listener uh, sent me a message and was really eager to see that interview. So we're not giving up yet. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in to watch. We'll see you next week.